0: Hello again. This is Mark Wollner from the Indiana Bond Bank. So excited to join you for another episode of the Indiana Bondcast. And we are here with our Leaders in Public Finance series. So the Bondcast brings you the best in the world of public finance focused on Indiana. And our Leaders in Public Finance series just focuses in on those professionals uh, who do the work every day. And We are here in our 13th episode of the series and so excited to focus and feature Barry Gardner with us. Barry, thanks for joining us.
1: Oh, thank you, Mark. I'm excited.
0: Yeah. For those who don't know Barry, and you should, he is the Assistant Superintendent of Finance and Operations at MSD Wayne Township Schools. And Barry is a very busy man as we tape this. My gosh, just the beginning beginning stages of the school year here. So we really appreciate him jumping on uh, with us here on the podcast.
1: Yeah.
0: So exactly. Barry, you know, I, I wanted to talk, and I think we would want to talk about kind of that new school, school leadership, authenticity, communication, you've really embraced um, kind of a new way of doing things and, and maybe start there. You're a, a hate to say it, a younger generation of school business official. <laughs> um, we would love to talk about maybe your path and then the challenges that you've faced coming in with, um, with a different perspective and maybe where that's helped and where that's been difficult.
1: Yeah, well, uh, thank you uh, for trying to make me feel young uh, in that piece. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I, yes, I I tend to to be towards I guess some of the uh, the newer um, those of newer into the school finance piece of it as well. Though I am entering my eighth year as a school finance official, so it's it's flown by, uh, and it is. You know, there there has been I would say a little bit of changing of the guard in terms of school finance officials across the state, as we have seen a number of our long serving CFOs uh, just begin to retire and go to a new phase of life and, mm. and open up some opportunities. And so that has caused a little bit of a, a ripple effect in terms of leadership, at least within the association um, of school business officials and, and kind of our work. And, you know, I, I think one of the things though that has probably helped, uh, though it's been a challenge, has been a lot of the changes that we have seen in school finance over the last probably six to seven years, uh, and even probably going back as far as you know the property tax cap changes uh, that have really forced schools to operate differently than mm. what they did really for probably forty or fifty years previously. Uh, and some of the changes we've seen in some of our accounts uh, in terms of the funds that are available, the way you're able to use those funds, um, you know the prevalence of referendums that have really come into play, and so. You know, I think um, I came in right um, about the time, you know, a lot of those were changing, you know, property tax caps were only in effect about three or four years before I got started. And then uh, some of the account and fund changes really happened a couple of years in. And so I feel like I I benefited a little bit in being around to see some of that historic piece, but also um, not long enough that maybe I was used to it and, and just had to adapt kind of on the fly of all the changes we've seen.
0: That's really neat, and you've made a lot of changes. I know recently, uh, since joining Wayne Township Schools, it, it the pace of change that um, that I've seen, even just on on your social media posts and and your presence there, which I'd love to get to at some point. But it seems like the pace of change and innovations accelerated um, at Wayne Schools. Maybe for the listeners, would you I don't know highlight some of the cool things that you've got going on? And um, you know, we're not all in your roles, but all of us in public. Well, the public sector, public finance, are looking to innovate, make change. Maybe speak to like some of the process of how you identify areas to, you know, that would that would benefit from taking a second look or a deeper dive. Yeah,
1: you know, I think um, the lens that really we've tried to come with, and I've really tried to approach, is you know, our my role, our role of school finance officials. We have to be the lead, really, on helping districts um, maximize our resources you know, and really think about what that looks like. And I think oftentimes we get caught up in some limitations because, you know, we don't have the ability to raise revenues beyond what the state really provides us for the most part. Uh, you know, so a lot of it has to come in managing our expenses and, and how we look at actually how we're spending those dollars. And so that's that's probably been the lens that really has taken is how do we maximize? How do we look at it a little differently? Uh, I think we've gotten there to be perfectly honest. Um, probably the best strategy that I think I've ever implemented is um, bringing lots of really smart people into the room and asking questions, you know, and really relying on those individuals who are experts in their areas to bring their perspective to our challenges uh, and our situations to help brainstorm. Uh, you know, so I viewed my job in a lot of ways as a, as a financial problem solver and trying to bring people together to to solve those. And, and we've had a lot of success, you know, in that. Um, and so, you know, one of those that we're really excited about that's hit the table probably in the last six months is uh, our energy management plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just like all you know, government-owned cities, we have to pay our utility bills. And we do not have really any control on those. Uh, it came out, you know, this past couple of months that AES was raising their rates by about a nine, another 19%. Uh, and so, you know, we really have, have limited control. And so we've really started working. We had a solar farm here in the district prior to my arrival uh, that was helping offset energy consumption at our high school. Uh, We have one of the largest high schools in the state. It's just shy of a million square feet, um, which is equivalent to about 200 residential homes. So think of a large, you know, neighborhood. uh, That's what we're powering just on that one site. And so, we saw a lot of the benefits there, and we've really leveraged that uh, to a plan that um, is district-wide in terms of managing our consumption to offset demand as well. And you get into the weeds of energy uh, and utility bills, but you know the real idea, the simple piece I would tell you is one: um, we're using batteries, large, you know, industrial batteries, really at our some of our schools that will charge overnight when the cost of utility is three cents a kilowatt versus 10 cents a kilowatt during the day, wow. and then power those buildings during the day. And so it's really looking in you know, a lot of those ways in terms of um, you know, how we manage our usage and, and how we pull that electricity. Um, and then the big one that's coming is a potential new transportation center that will be uh, have bus canopies that have solar uh, panels on top that will not only net zero the transportation center itself, but a neighboring elementary, Uh, and potentially power uh, down the road, uh, electric buses, if if that comes. And so, you know, we've really tried to innovate in those ways, uh, have done something similar with propane buses. Uh, Mm -hmm. We made the move to propane buses a few years ago, and again, really doubled down on that. And so uh, there's a lot there that we can unpack, but it's really kind of looking again at ways we can find to manage those resources and offset expenses that then in turn free up those dollars for us to look at how we use those in other ways. Again, ultimately, hopefully hopefully, benefiting our students and, and our, our staff here in the district.
0: Absolutely. Wow. That's like really exciting stuff. And that's, those are some of the things that I've seen out on your social media, on LinkedIn, you're very, uh, you're very out there on some of the energy savings work that you're doing. would love to kind of dive in with you. Why is it important for you, you know, to be out there on LinkedIn, why why do you get out there and talk about issues critical to schools and issues that that you're really facing?
1: Well, you know, Mark, I think it's really important that we have to be able to tell our story. Mm. Uh, you know, if you're not out there telling your story, someone else will oftentimes try to tell that for you, uh, especially in the world of public education. Uh, unfortunately, public education become, you know, very politicized over the last, you know, few years. Uh, and, and for whatever reason, you know, there's been this narrative outside of the of our walls that we're inefficient, uh, that we don't operate. Mm. You know, as we should operate more like a business, we should you know be more innovative in those ways. And I think oftentimes um, it's a lack of knowledge of what things are really going on in schools. Uh, you know, I would put some of the things that we're doing in terms of this energy management and our uh, propane buses and the way we're uh, approaching a lot of our operational pieces and our academic programming and, and the way we um, work within our school buildings as innovative in a way that a business would operate in the public or the private sector. And so I think, you know, it's important for us, you know, to sell that story and to tell that story because we are doing great things. And that's the, you know, that's when I say we, you know, that's our school board, Dr. Butts, our superintendent, mm-hmm. that's across the board. This has been a district-wide you know, movement. And, uh, I think we've got a lot of great things that would challenge that narrative, but unless we're putting those out there, uh, and engaging in those conversations, others don't know about some of those great things that are going on. And so that's why I think it's vital for us to really be out there telling our story.
0: That's a hard thing. I think you and I've talked about this when we've met in a prior life, a lot of us get into the public sector, schools, state government, whatever, because we like doing the the good thing. And we're not always good about talking about the work that we do. And you think you put your head down, you do the right thing, right thing gets rewarded. But you think cases of failed referendums, for example, in the school space or otherwise, you're right, if you're not telling your story, um, it's a hard switch to flip, I think, for public sector. I'm curious how, um, how some of your school board or your principal took to that, hey, we got to actually talk about and brag on ourselves about what we're doing a little better than we used to.
1: Yeah, you know, that I will say has been something um, that really, it was in place when I got here in terms of being very Mm. active in that. and that that really stems from our superintendent, Dr. Butts, uh, Dr. Jeff Butts, he, uh, he is a believer in that as well, uh, you know, knowing that we have to tell that story that's out there. And so um, that is one piece when I walked in that was uh, encouraged uh, to do that. And um, you know, we again, we do that in a lot of ways, uh, sometimes publicly, sometimes behind the scenes, uh, sometimes, you know, it's down at the state house, sometimes that's with our own community. Uh, oftentimes, people think school finance uh, and governmental finance is simple, uh, you know, and it's pretty black and white, and don't understand a lot of the moving parts that are out there. You know, I sometimes try to use the fun analogy school finance, a lot of times, is like jello. Sometimes you push one way, it's going to come out somewhere else. And it's just not that simple. And, uh, you know, it's it's kind of silly in a way, but it's also true, you know, in the way that we have to approach things. And so, um, yeah, you know, I've been very fortunate. Our board is very uh, supportive of that. I think they are very engaged in that work as well uh, themselves. And so um, that's what I try to go out and, and talk to my colleagues is that importance and for them. And the more we're out there telling these stories, um, you know, I've loved the opportunity. There's been some talk uh, and some work done down the, the DOE and uh, the Office of School Efficiencies and some other agencies that want to come out and get involved in schools. And, and I'm more welcome more, come out. Because you can help us then tell our story. Because I think when you open the door and, and walk in, you're going to see some great things. And we'd love another partner to, to, to tell that.
0: That's amazing. I mean, it really flips a narrative of kind of that protective, or we've got this under control, to more that open. Hey, come out, see it, and help be an advocate for our story and a another voice. You mentioned the state house, and I think a lot of people would get the the, the shivers if they um, had to think about going down to the state house and sitting in front of legislators, not only just testifying and telling telling your story, but also answering questions uh, from elected officials you're very good at that. You've done it. Is that just a, a natural very skill, the public speaking? Or is that something that you've um, honed over the years? I mean, what, how did you draw the short straw one time a few years ago? <laughs> How'd that work out?
1: Uh, Probably a little bit of both, Mark, you know, um, I, I, I'll joke that uh, God gave me the gift of gab. And, uh, you know, I, I've always enjoyed and had a, a natural inclination to, to talking. Um, but my parents were involved in, in local politics. My, my father served on the city council growing up. And uh, when he passed, my mom took over and, and, uh, and so we were always around that. Uh, one of our mm. great family friends was long longtime state representative. Uh, I had interned for her down at the state house years ago. And so, you know, there was some natural assimilation that, that was already uh, there, but, you know, I will say um, spending time down there don't get me wrong you know you get in front of that there's always a chance that you know you feel a little bit of, of nerves and you are you know speaking to uh you know individuals who um serve the state you know and, and have some very key roles but I think knowing um there's a confidence level that having done this for enough years that I know that I'm that expert or at least more of an expert potentially in that area uh and understand the role of oftentimes of lobbying is that they don't know all the answers and they are looking for those um, to speak with that confidence within that piece and and come with that to them that you are there really to provide that that level Um, you know I think one of the things they often value is that practitioner that person who's doing it on a daily basis and um, I think being as non-confrontational as you can. And that often softens that piece that, that helps that dialogue. But uh, um, I've been challenged many times down in there and, and some of the pieces and some back and forth and, and that's okay. You know, I think just like anything else and, and you would appreciate is the more you do these things, the more practice you have, uh, the better that you you get at it. And uh, having the opportunity to present it at school board meetings, um, you know, community meetings when, you know, uh, I'd rather speak to in front of a Senate panel, you know, or something like that than oftentimes some of the uh, the referendum or do we do a referendum parent pieces that you have because um, parents are not afraid to challenge you in that way. And rightfully so, you know, in that they uh, they are those those taxpayers that you serve. And so I think having done some of that makes the state house a little easier because uh, you've been challenged in other ways in the past.
0: I understand. Yeah. I remember my first uh, presentation in front of a board, our board at IHCDA housing community development authority, when I started at the state and it's, they don't necessarily know it's your first time and you just have to get up and own it a little bit, right. Shoulders back and just uh, do your best you can and know you've got supportive team, obviously with you and behind you should questions come up or, but um, yeah, and you just get better at it. So that's a good.
1: And if my wife were here, she would probably tell me and, and make fun of me that Often I don't do it as much, but I still do it from time to time. Is um, you know I often practice my presentations multiple times if I know I've got a big point up in front of it. Uh, She uh, was the person who had to deal with that early on. uh, My first few years, Uh, I had to sit there and listen a little bit, and uh, which was good because she didn't know anything about school finance, and so how could I explain some of that to her in a way? And you know you learn how to address a different audience, Um, but there's a bit of piece that just like anything, uh, the more the more you practice, the more you, you take that time and preparation for whether it's speaking in front of a Senate panel or, you know, speaking to your community that you know that information in and out and you've thought through questions that might be potentially asked, um, the more, com- again, confident that you are and, and the better that comes across. And so it's, it's also a little bit of that as well.
0: Wow. I know this is a public finance podcast, but you, you talked about your wife and you've, you also bring her up and your family up on, on LinkedIn, which is, which is really cool. You've you kind of broken that artificial divide of like, this is press professional. This is personal. Never the two shall meet. Um, and so let's, let's go there. Why is that, you know, so important to you to share kind of that part of your life, um, you know, showing yourself kind of breaking away from work and like having that recharge um, with your family. We'd love to talk about that.
1: Well, I think, you know, you used a word early on, Mark, um, that, that I think hopefully people describe with me at any point is authentic. Um, Absolutely. It's who I am. And so, you know, part of who I am in my daily work is my family. Um, You know, I have three young children. Uh, The third, uh, he starts kindergarten on Friday. And so all three will be in uh, Speedway schools here uh, on the West side. And so they are, you know, a part of that public school system that I represent. Uh, I bring that lens into the work that I do. Um, you know, and so again, they are part of my story in, in my life and, and what I bring to my job on a daily basis. And, you know, I picture those students that I serve and my own children and what I would want for my own children. And so, so they're a part of it there. Um, but, you know, the other piece that I think has really come up, especially during this pandemic, is, you know, that, that balance of, of life and uh, of work and that, and, and the importance of that. Uh, and so, you know, I'm a big believer in, uh, as much as I, um uh, sit here and telling you that I challenge myself and I go, 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 uh, my family is really important and I struggle with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, you know, oftentimes we don't talk about those things. And so uh, I think. Again, that that gift of gab and that feeling of you know not um, of confidence in who I am allows me to not be ashamed of sharing some of those pieces of that I do on social media that um, hopefully maybe helps others that are out there and hear oftentimes the push that we have in, in our jobs and that that desire to be better and that desire to succeed um, I don't believe should come at a at a loss to our families. I think, you can find both. There's, there's ebbs and flows on both sides. And so, um, you know, I, again, that's me. Um, and I think our lives have been sometimes about sharing that for others uh, and, and, and engaging in that conversation. And uh, again, a little bit of, I think that's important. Uh, and so I, I push that out there as a part of that.
0: And it's really, I, I really appreciate it because it is authentic. And I, I use that word intentionally. It's, you it's not just the snippets of life where hey we're opening this new building we've got this new cool thing at work and it's it's not just cherry picking kind of those uh easy wins you're very good about just sharing kind of throughout um a little bit of everything which i think i think lets people know who made you know maybe going through the same thing right of it's not always roses and rainbows it's some you know you you got to work at it sometime and the balance of how much in this aspect and how much of that aspect and when am I going too hard at work? It's, it's real. And I think seeing from somebody like you is, is really meaningful.
1: Well, you know, the interesting part you bring that up is there is a part of me where I do that, you know, you wonder what's, what's the impression of those pieces. Mm -hmm. Um, And I will tell you, uh, it's been really interesting, at least within LinkedIn, and not that I have some huge following in those pieces, but a couple of the more probably personal posts that I've, I've placed over the summer um, had 10 to 20 times more response than the building additions or the other pieces (laughs) that are out there. You know, and I think sometimes there's just, there's that craving out there that we don't talk about those things. We don't bring those into our workplace um, that I think people often crave and, and, and yearn for. And so it was kind of an affirmation of sorts for me to see that response in terms of comments and and impressions that it had far more than than any of the work stuff that that has even been you know great from a wayne township great things that are happening uh and so i think it was just affirmation that there are people out there that that need a bit of that in their life
0: yeah i would agree i would agree maybe we kind of as we come to a close here on the indiana bondcast leaders in public finance series with barry gardner Look ahead a little bit. So maybe start with you personally before you get broader with you know, public education. But f- for you, you're always um, one of the things you're also posting about. Oftentimes, is what you're reading or what you're looking forward to read. I think you're going for your doctorate now, public education. So you are you're on this continuous learning uh, treadmill cranked on high. What what um, what drives that, and kind of where do you want to go with all everything that you're learning?
1: Yeah, great great question. Um... You know, I think it's really driven by um, just a, a bit of competitiveness in a sense of always wanting to be better, um, but also just a knowledge base of wanting to to learn more and mm-hmm. to know more about the area that I, I'm serving. And so, uh, and and I think the third place I connected back, Mark, is the question you asked earlier of where do we, you know, where or how have we brought some of the innovative practices? To me, it's it's that... I have to be a constant learner. I have to look at, at other ways other districts here in Indiana or across the country are doing things or leaders out in the business sector and what knowledge and insights could they bring to us. And, and you only do that if you're listening to podcasts, reading books, reading journals, and, and really exposing yourself. And so it's it's a bit of all all of that. Um, and, and part of that's that doctorate piece, uh, you know, as well, uh, that's I'm doing down at Indiana University. Uh, Part of the reason I went back down there was their programs based in uh, continuous improvement science. Nice. And and so, you know, just again, this idea of how are we again slowly going out and finding ways and processes that we can improve upon, uh, and then bring that back to, to our sector and so um, that's my goal, you know, with all of this is just as we continue, there's never a shortage of things to do, as I often say in the district and in ways that we can continue to improve and, and how we need to react. And hopefully those are helping me continue to prepare for those challenges I don't know that are coming.
0: I think it's a great point. I hope folks have heard what I just heard, which is innovation is not the apple hits you on the, you know, it's another tree, apple hits you on the head and it's voila, it's a big idea. It's, I don't know about you, Barry, but everything new idea we've had here at the bond bank has been a a hybrid or a mashup or something we've seen tried or worked or borrowed from somebody else and it's just because we have our eyes open our ears open it may not be the exact idea intact right but it's it's something and it's not we didn't wake up one day and and have brilliance strike us unfortunately (laughs) (laughs) i wish it was like that (laughs) that's right so it's, uh, yeah, I hope if for folks out there looking to make change or innovation in wherever you're sitting, um, I would echo what Barry said. It's just open your eyes to what's being done, not just in public finance or public sector, everywhere, because you never know you know what might fit. Yeah. So I guess maybe lastly, with all the changes you've experienced already in public education, guess where do we see the space going in five, 10 years?
1: You know, it's a great question, Mark, and it's one I think it's been asked probably more now than it has in a lot, of, a lot of years because of coming out of the pandemic. Uh, you know, we saw a real explosion in uh, online learning. Uh, you know, in that format, I think the question is, will that continue? What's that continue to look like? Um, Indiana continues to be a space that um, is very. Charter-driven from the state legislators, um, you know, in school choice, what does that continue to look like in terms of of providing opportunities for students? Um, you know, I I wish I had a crystal ball in that sense, Mark. I you know, I just I don't know. I, I think, you know, at least what we're seeing is uh, at least a decline in the interest in some of the online learning, the virtual learning platform. It has a. a a really unique um, place in our high school. We see, we've had a steady piece in our nine through 12 over the last 10 years, but our, our elementary has really fallen off. And I think most people would understand that, you know, from a, from a reading and a phonics and a learning perspective for sure. young learners, uh, that happens in a, a one-on-one hands-on kind of atmosphere versus a virtual. And so we've, we've seen that, um, you know, but I do think it's going to continue to evolve. I think, um, you know, really for us where everyone's turning is, um, is our workforce. Uh, We, we continue to see, you know, uh, a growing lack of uh, people applying for positions or opening positions uh, in, in many areas. Uh, You know, we have seen the data from the, the higher ed space where students aren't enrolling in the the education programs. So what does that begin to look like? And so what happens is our, maybe our pool begins to shrink uh you know and how do we respond i think that's probably going to be the biggest piece to determine what this begins to look like um over the next five to ten years is what does our labor force look like and the opportunities we're able to provide our students based on that labor force
0: well more to come more to come right so maybe in five in five years when we're at episode uh 130 (laughs) we can have you back on
1: come back and see if any of those were anywhere remotely close to uh (laughs) Uh, to any kind of prediction.
0: That's right. That's right. Well, speaking of, this was episode 13 of the Indiana Bond Bank Bondcast Leaders in Public Finance series. Barry, thank you so much for joining us. This has been fantastic.
1: Yeah, thank you. Appreciate the opportunity, Mark.
0: Absolutely. And so, again, listeners, Barry is the assistant superintendent for finance and operations at MSD Wayne Township Schools. And if you like what you heard, uh, hit like. Uh, share the podcast and subscribe to the podcast. And until next time, this is Mark Wallner on behalf of the Bond Bank, signing off of the Indiana Bond Bank podcast.